Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. The global rally continues on Wall Street, where the S&P 500 is posting its strongest two-day climb in four months. Tension is easing over the impact of a U.K. exit from the European Union. Energy shares are on pace for their best two days since January as crude oil gains with Chevron up 2.8%. At Goldman Sachs, basket of the most shorted shares in the Russell 3000 is seeing its biggest surge since 2011. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg Radio. Dow Industrial Average up 254 points, 1.5%, trading at 17,663. S&P 500 up 32 points, 1.6% at 2,067. The NASDAQ is higher by 85 points, 1.8%, trading at 47.76. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up $1.74 a barrel, 3.6% at 49.60. Spot gold up $9.90 an ounce at 13.2780. Ten-year Treasury unchanged with a yield of 1.4663. And that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. Over to you, Kathleen. Bloomberg taking stock. The Fed in focus. Interest rates are too low for where the economy is going. The question is how much higher should they be? The Fed has increased its assets, yes, and in doing so, it has increased its liabilities. Keeping interest rates at zero for a long time is not going to cause inflation to go up. It's very controversial. I think what we need to do is find a way for the Fed to integrate its policy and think more about its impact on the world. The Fed in focus. On Bloomberg Radio. Forget December. Forget next year. The Fed's done hiking until 2018. So reads the headline on a terrific story on the Bloomberg Today and on Bloomberg.com by Liz Capo McCormick. She specializes in the bond market. And Matt Bosler, who is part of our Federal Reserve reporting team here in New York. Is not hiking rates enough? Should the Fed even be cutting them as well? Let's put this question to our next guest. Now, Rihanna Kocher Lakota joins us now. He is the former head of the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank. He's a Bloomberg View columnist, and he's going to explain his latest column to us. Now, Rihanna, welcome back. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kathleen. It's my pleasure to be with you. So let's start with Brexit, because we've got the stock market up for three days in a row. People, the market seem to be shaking this off. If Brexit is one of the reasons why the Fed should be more stimulative, not hike rates, maybe cut them, maybe go to negative rates, as you argued in this in this great piece, is it really so necessary now? No, I think uh, that's a great question, but I, 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 I saw Brexit as um, merely just one example of a large number of uncertainties that are facing uh, the United States economy as we move forward the next three, four years. Um, you know, I, I think that how the negotiations unfold, how um, uh, Europe and Britain engage with each other uh, over the next two, three years as they as they talk about what Brexit's going to actually mean, I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainties associated with that, both for the UK economy and perhaps even more meaningfully for the for the European economy. But there's other questions that are on the table as well, questions about uh, about China, about emerging markets. All those uncertainties um, mean that I think the Fed should really be best served by uh, that combined with the fact, I should say, that the Fed faces some constraints in terms of ability to react to those kinds of contingencies if they do emerge, uh, means that the Fed should be taking some insurance today by uh, at their next meeting by cutting rates. 
What are the, what's the likelihood of that? Uh, we got the consumer spending numbers, the strongest two months since 2009. Now, granted, the, their key inflation gauge, that PCE deflator year over year, went from 1.0 to 0.9, so it's even further away from the Fed's 2% target. I think the, the uh, so I, I've been describing what, what I would prefer the Fed to do. Um, that I, I don't anticipate that is pretty, that to be too likely on the Fed's agenda in, in July. That is, I don't anticipate that they would be uh, thinking about cutting rates in July. I, I, I've been disappointed, I have to say, to what extent um, the increase in December is treated as a given um, in, in Federal Reserve communications. I, I, I think that that makes it much harder to raise rates if you treat every move you've made as being something that's semi semi uh, permanent in nature. Because um, if you if you ever raise rates, that means that you're stuck with it, and then that means you're going to have to be very deliberative about any process of raising rates. So I actually think they get there faster if they were more willing to cut. And uh, but. Everything we've heard from them is that what they're thinking about is, is the most stimulative policy they can think of is not is, is uh, or at least we've heard so far is uh, simply standing pat. I want you to elaborate on that point because you state that in your latest piece, but it's something you have written and talked about more extensively because I think maybe it just people don't quite hear what you're saying, which is if you really want to start hiking rates, Fed, get the economy going and get in a position where it needs to have rate hikes and it's not a big question. But you, you're saying you can't do that unless you ease and stimulate more first? Yeah, I think that if we ease uh, further now, and we and the Fed was actually uh, clearer about uh, the package of tools that it has available in in the case of of uh, adverse shocks, uh, I think that businesses and households we feel safer spending now, and that would get the economy going again. Um, but beyond that, I think I think right now that the Fed has been communicating that every interest rate hike that they're going to think about is going to be uh, semi permanent in nature. We'll take a very extreme event to move away from that. Any, if you you're, think about any decision you want to make, if you're free to change it, you're going to be more likely to make it. If you're free to, if it's stuck forever, you're not able to undo it, then you're. Sure. Uh, so, and that I think has been a problem for the Fed that they've been communicating that boy, that move we made in December. Mm-hmm. That's stuck. We're never going to undo it, um, barring catastrophe. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. when I go shopping, I only buy from stores that let me return things within a that couple of days because I don't example, want to be stuck, that right? That is a kind of example I should be able to think <laughs> of myself. Great real, example. Real quick, yeah. though, Jerome Paul, Fed Board Governor, is looking at financial conditions tightening, saying that's now a big, big part of how the Fed makes its decision. Will that maybe help the move toward a rate cut? I'm sorry. I didn't catch what you said, Kathleen. Financial conditions tightening. Jerome oh. Paul, bigger part of the equation for the Fed. I think that the uh, financial conditions are certainly something that they're continuing to track. Uh, Vice Chair Dudley uh, uh, thinks about uh, talks about that uh, uh, a fair amount. And uh, again, I, what we've heard from them is that uh, that's going to make them less likely to raise rates. I, I haven't heard anything that indicates that they're going to that's going to make them likely to cut as soon as July. Now, Rayana Kocha-Lakota, thank you so very much for joining me today. He's former head of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. He's the Lionel W. McKenzie Professor of Economics at the University of Rochester and a Bloomberg View columnist. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. The 30-year Treasury bond continues to rally. The yield is down to 2.26%. How low can it go? Kevin Giddes from Raymond James up next on Bloomberg Radio.